Hello, and thank you for tuning in for another Midpoints episode. Last time, we looked at what the UK had in store for 2021. This time, it's what's in store for the new President Biden in the United States of America. Enjoy. And in this episode, I'm joined by Ellen Knight. Hi there. Alex Boscott. Hello. And Jack Walker. Hello. <laughs> what was that? Can I not be cheery? You're really distant. It's like you're underwater. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. Just say hello again. And then we'll... Hello. <laughs> Why do you sound like you're in a box? Um... Is it? Does it sound kind of echoey? Because that's kind of like that's that's just. No, it just sounds like you're, you're putting your headphones down, running to the other side of the room, then saying hello. All your. Oh damn! Fine. You got me. Hello. <laughs> damn! How did you know? Try saying hello in mid sentence. What? <laughs> just say something and then say hello in the middle of the sentence, just to see if it's the word hello. Uh, okay. Um. Okay. Well, I'll practice my um. I'll practice my favorite moment of the inauguration then um my favorite moment of the inauguration hello was (laughs) from my dad about um lady gaga okay (laughs) did it work okay that works okay hello and welcome to moot points in this episode i'm joined by ellen knight hi there alex boscott hello and jack walker hello there we go jack walker the regular and alex you've graduated to regular and ellen the newbie Yes. Who was the only one that could say hello properly? <laughs> so, in this episode, in our second part of our New Year's special, looking forward to 2021, we're going to look at what the year has in store for the United States of America the evening after Joe Biden was inaugurated as the 46th, technically 45th, but we'll gloss over that, President of the United States. <laughs> He's 45th, by the way, because President Cleveland served as Commander-in-Chief twice in the 19th century. Anyway, what was your favourite moment of the inauguration? Who wants to go first? Let Ellen go first, she's new. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be really mean, but I'm going to have to steal Lady Gaga from all of you. In that she was, her dress was amazing, her singing was amazing. Uh, yeah, Lady Gaga, definitely. Complete with gold microphone. Yeah, and gold bird that she was wearing. It's quite a hunger game. That was quite the brooch, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought she converted to the Liberal Democrats in fairness. <laughs> and she appeared to be right wearing the red carpet. <laughs> the entire thing. A bit multi-partisan, maybe a bit Labour. Um, Alex, what was your favourite? Oh, it would have to be Amanda Gorman. Um, I think that her rendition of The Hill We Climb, I think that was absolutely brilliant um i was trying to think of something funny or humorous to be my favorite moment but i just that that poem was just absolutely brilliant um and the fact you think she's 22 or 23 yeah some pundits um, were saying 23 but i think i think she's 22 okay we'll go 22 i i thought it was absolutely fantastic um compared to some of the other speakers they had on there who were qualified politicians um i thought she carried herself really well um and i think um I'd, I'd hire her for any of it, any event, to be honest. It was definitely a poem that was not boring in the slightest. Not that poetry's boring. No, no. Jack, Jack I think that's your question. Part? Oh, no. Okay, well. 
I didn't hear either of you. What? 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 <laughs> Hang on, I think we disconnected for a bit there. Jack, what was your favourite part? Um. Okay, I'll pick a funny one. Um. There was one shot from the um the speech that Joe Biden gave that came from behind his head, and you could see the size of the teleprompter he was reading off because. It couldn't just be a camera like two feet in front of him because he was stood on like a balcony. So they literally had to use like a gigantic screen that you get at like concerts and stuff for the crowd that isn't near the stage. And all you could see on it was just like like a normal teleprompter, but like <clears throat> his um, speech and size like 400 font so he couldn't like properly read it. I thought he'd like memorized it or got it on a book in front of him. And then this... Um, yeah, this screen, like, <laughs> this, like, massive, gigantic, like, football pitch size screen you just get to like see. Star Wars with, like, size credits. 400 text. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I was I was a little bit disappointed he hadn't learned it off by heart, but then I was impressed by the size of that screen, so I kind of made it all okay. Something's just occurred to me. Does he need glasses? Because I've never seen him with glasses. Maybe he wears contact lenses. Maybe. Because it would be a bit strange, a 79-year-old not having glasses. We don't see that very often. I mean, the text was, like, incredibly huge. I mean, you could have read that thing from the movie. <laughs> it's a bit like Roosevelt not wanting people to know he needs a wheelchair. Biden doesn't want people to know yeah. he needs glasses. Well, given that he's got all this, like, Maybe. oh, like, Sleepy Joe stuff going on, I don't think it would help. Like, do you remember when Jeremy Corbyn has glasses on crooked and then everyone decided that said something yeah. about him as a politician? So <laughs> perhaps he's just trying to avoid that. They're going to wheel out Joe Biden in... Um... In a like a grey night tracksuit next, um, <laughs> just to use up a bit more, maybe some air forces as well. Apparently, he's uh, got a Peloton bike. In they have, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that they $1,500 Peloton bike, and I saw an article, and I think it was in the New York Times that claimed that this was problematic because it showed he was part of the establishment and not the um, uh, regular Joe image that he was trying to portray. It was also um, themed a security risk by the Pentagon because it had access to the internet. Yeah. So he wasn't allowed to take it in in the end, I don't think. Oh, no. I was going to say, I didn't see any pictures of that in the Oval Office pictures. That we <laughs> saw. Like, why, why wasn't there a Peloton in there as well? So we just have to have a regular um, exercise bike like the rest of us. God, how's he going to go? Can you imagine um, being the um, Peloton coach during that and you just see Joe Biden <laughs> join your group? <laughs> Keep it up, Joe Biden. Wait, <laughs> wait. Speaking of Jeremy Corbyn, he was briefly mentioned there. He's famous for wearing quite a scruffy jacket during the cenotaph uh, yeah. uh, a few years ago now. Um, and Michael Foot also famous for wearing quite a scruffy jacket. Both leaders of the left, of course. And Bernie Sanders yesterday had some interesting fashion choices as well. I liked his mittens. Massive mittens. Well, apparently they're made out of this is something I saw on Twitter, so it's with a pinch of salt, but apparently the, the mittens are made out of recycled jumpers. So that does not surprise me. The story of Bernie's mittens. <laughs> That's one of the most Bernie things I've ever Isn't heard. It? When, um, I love how he's just like... No, that reminds me of when Jeremy Corbyn did an interview outside of Parliament in the 80s or 70s, when and they asked him where he got his... Yeah. yeah, he's got the jumper that his mum his mum made him and the T-shirt was from the co-op. The most horrific colour. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> so proud that his mum made it for us. That, that, those two are very alike. Um, I also saw on Twitter that um, somebody had edited Bernie into the film, the scene in Basic Instinct, where 
<laughs> well, I can't remember the actual <laughs> name now, but there's a brief glimpse of her private parts as she unfolds her legs, and I do not want to think about that in the slightest <laughs> regards to the joint. That was, that was an inauguration Good. gift, Joe. Did he you just looks back it? and he slowly unfolds his legs. <laughs> Did you see um, the like the gift giving ceremony? I don't know if it was on the BBC, but it was on the CNN broadcast. Of uh, they all, all like the some of the senators. I don't know which one specifically, but they have all these presents that they like give to Joe and Jill and Carmela and uh, what's his name, Mister Carmela. Anyway, um, and it there was like, gentleman. It, yeah, him, and it was like like th- like a ten kilogram vase. And like a, a random painting, it was really weird. It was like the weirdest episode of Bargain Hunt ever. Uh, <laughs> They're trying to kill the man. Like, there's no way he's dragging that to the White House. Like, like how's he I getting? I'm just exaggerating massively, obviously, but it was it was, <laughs> it was really weird. Well, no, I don't think you are because CNN said it was 32 pound gifts they were giving him, and obviously they're they're way back in the in the dark times using Imperial, but that's not far off. 10 <laughs> it, was just, it was just quite weird. It's one of those things that I heard about but didn't watch. I need to give that a watch. Um, but my personal hero of the day was who was dubbed Sanitizer in Chief by the New York Post. Um, the bloke who kept getting up and very, very awkwardly wiping the podium every time a new speaker was going to. And every speaker was waiting very patiently behind him afterwards. I, I kind of fell for him because he didn't look like a young guy. Like towards the end, it looked like it was becoming a little bit of a struggle. When he when he first did it, it's like he just constantly getting up and when down. When he first did it, I thought he was a speaker and I thought he was just taking his time. But then he just sat back down again, and I thought that was a short speech. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, you get all but... the little scrubbing noises with him with his like big packet of antibacterial wipe. <laughs> it was just like oh. ten very awkward seconds. There was a photo that I saw by the Associated Press, and it, it was a picture of the packet of wipes and a chair just covered with used wipes <laughs> and name tags. And it was very nice, but <laughs> um, the only thing, the only bit of information I found out about that person, it was an investigation by the by the New York Post. I love how they call it an investigation. Um, he was appointed by the Sergeant-at-Arms. He's the top official in the Senate in charge of protocol, but we don't know his name. I can't find his name anywhere. That is peak investigative journalism. <laughs> like that that is that is why we do He looks like William Barr. Trump I thought that as well, yeah. I thought for a second that why is William Barr there, but it's not. Very strange. Um but of Maybe. course Lady Gaga was very impressive. But Garth Brooks attempted sing along with Amazing Grace was possibly one of the most awkward moments of twenty twenty one, an early contender. It was really excruciating, especially because when he came out with a massive cowboy hat as well. <laughs> it would be all right, I suppose, if you could see people singing, but obviously everyone's got their masks on, so it just looked like <laughs> staring at him, going, "Uh, no, no, I don't think I will." And it was just a bit. I think at, at one point during during the sing along karaoke, um, it just zoomed in on Kamala Harris's face, and obviously, mm-hmm. as you just said, she's got her mask on. And it, I'm not sure if long, I couldn't see her jaw moving. I think she was just staring at this bloke very, very intensely. And the camera didn't pound off her. It was on her for at least a solid 30 seconds. Um, and it just looked like one of the worst death stares you've ever seen. Um, and I do believe some of the Biden grandchildren were um, not too impressed either. They were 
sat there in almost silence and I don't think Biden was too impressed by the karaoke either. It was quite funny because he sort of, it was quite bold of him because he just sung it and then left and we all wouldn't have talked about it. But then he decided to turn it into his own personal little Glastonbury. And it's almost like he forgot the context, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like you forgot the world you're currently <laughs> living in. Like nobody's going to be singing along with you. <laughs> what what do you think? He entered sort of concert mode and just forgot where he was for a second. I mean, it's not and just went with it. Upbeat song either. <laughs> no, no, it's not one to sing along with. Really. Um, it's not like you're going to. It's not like Indian Rhapsody. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, when Matt <laughs> Hancock um, karaoke at the Tory conference, exactly, exactly the same. Yeah. There. He looked a bit like him, didn't he? Like a like a cowboy Matt Hancock. <laughs> God, don't give me the image. No. <laughs> is that the title of this episode, Cowboy yes, Matt Hancock? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's going to be very confusing when cool. people tune in expecting Matt Hancock to <laughs> get a US special. <laughs> <In> <laughs> life. We are the gift that keeps on giving. But there was a lot of purple being worn, of course, signifying unity, blue and red. But it's interesting that Harris also, it was one of her campaign colours along with yellow. And that was to symbolise uh, the first black woman to run for president, Shirley Chisholm. Yeah. Which I thought was quite cool. And I think Hillary Clinton came out in a uh, in one of those suits. I can't remember what, pantsuit, is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, a pantsuit. Suit. What else? It's a suit, really, isn't it? <laughs> like when yeah. I have to specify that it's got trousers on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that's a suit, really, isn't it? But there we go. We still need that clarification in 2021. My <laughs> other highlight was when George Bush walked out. He had a quite a fetching scarf on, but it wasn't wrapped around his neck. It was just draped over his coat, and he misjudged the wind intensity, and it fell right off oh, as he God. came out the door. It was one of the most Bush things that could happen. <laughs> um, it made me laugh. I don't know why. Um, if I'm not. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he had a, a a gaffe at Trump's one as well. I'm pretty sure he was wearing a um, I can't remember was it this plastic coat, um, <laughs> rain at Trump's one, and he just let go of it from it, and the wind just blew it straight over his head, <laughs> and it was just smothered by this plastic sheet. Oh, um, it's a bit American psycho, that isn't it? It is. You don't really have any other president having any problems. <laughs> it's just George Bush. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. Yeah. My Sorry, go on. I was to say one of my favourite moments was it was in the CNN coverage and it was when the Obamas had arrived and they just went, Michelle Obama's here. She's got her mask on. She's in the building. She's looking great. Oh, Barack Obama's there too. (laughs) 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 Like the former president was there. They were just so caught up in Michelle Obama, which I can understand, but it was just very funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's easily done. I think she's very grateful to Joe Biden that she didn't have to run. Because yeah. there was a lot of pressure last yeah. year, wasn't there, yeah. for her to mm-hmm. put a run together. And Although she I really didn't really... enjoy campaigning with her husband. No, and I don't think she's ever really suggested that she would. I think she's always been fairly clear. I mean, certainly my understanding is that she's always been relatively clear that she doesn't want to run. Because um, I think yeah. it was, like, even the suggestion that she might run in 2016, I think she shot down very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, I sort of... She's probably, she's probably ready to be done with the White House, I suppose, at some point. Now Biden's back there as well. Yeah, They'll I be there every weekend. <laughs> yes, yeah, they'll be there for, well, 
It only occurred to me fairly recently that the vice president didn't also live in the White House. I just sort of assumed for quite a long part of my life that they sort of just like a, a eight year sleepover. <laughs> it's like thinking teachers all slept at the school. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, like a big trip. Why doesn't Why doesn't the vice president he lives live at, in a naval building? Doesn't don't they? Like down the road somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> headquarters of some sort. But they're neighbours. I bet Should they the wave to the, the windows at each other. Morning. <laughs> So the largest issue that Biden has in his inbox is, of course, the pandemic. And this morning, it broke on CNN that he discovered, or his team had discovered, that the Trump administration had left behind no plan for a vaccine rollout at all, and having to, quote, start from scratch. It's not really a surprise, though, is it? No. Unfortunately. But you, I mean, for a president, yeah. Donald Trump, no. Fair. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I properly want to know what he wrote <laughs> in the note. But Biden said it, it was generous Ooh. and he's not going to reveal what it was until they next speak, which oh, I don't think they're going to relish either of them. Are they even going to speak? Will it, will it be? Well, I suppose oh, it'll be one of them will have to die before they get in anywhere near with anywhere near each other, to be honest. Um, I can't imagine them having a civil sit down or a Zoom call anytime soon. Um, I, think, I, I think one of the most controversial things that Biden has done since he's come in um, has removed the Diet Coke button oh, um, that, yeah. from, yes. from, from the presidential desk, um, which is absolutely amazing. I think it was Thomas Luton Dunn that reported it on Twitter. Um, when he visited the White House to interview Trump, there was a button um, right next to the telephones and all Trump had to do was press it and someone would come in with a Diet Coke on a silver plate. Um, they probably told him um, that's like the nuclear button or something. They definitely did. They definitely said if you press this enough times, we can declare <laughs> war on. North Just Korea. imagine my slapping the desk every ten <laughs> seconds, like for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> they were secretly trying to kill the man off. Um, yeah, but it's totally. Or at one point they said, every time you press this button, Mr. President, we've placed a buzzer. On Maggie Haberman, so every time you press it, she'll get an electric shock. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> and you yeah, don't go. <laughs> every time you push this button, we undo another Obama law. <laughs> I think he thinks right. how like no executive orders work. Like every time you press button, <laughs> that's an executive order. And that's I like one. to imagine that. I'd like to imagine that the executive orders that they gave Trump were just black pieces of paper that they told him were super super important. <laughs> Um, or birth- birthday cards. Or... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Or, or just stuff to sell on eBay whilst they could. <laughs> whilst it was worth something. <laughs> and of course, it, it will be a massive black Sharpie, but Biden has gone for more civilised pens. And he had like 15 on his desk Ooh. when he was signing the executive order, like one for each or something. Um, but like you say, he has a very clearly chosen to put i think it was either a, it looked, may have been coffee but it was in like a cup and saucer so it, was, it might have been tea um and then he had um a bust of chavez behind him a nod to the latino community mm. he had a photo mm. of himself with his now deceased son Bo biden who died of cancer and him and his wife a picture of him and his wife jill as well um and he has a massive family yeah. like the people mm. that were with him in the inauguration was only a fraction and you can see how much he loves his family. And you can see how much Jill was proud of him 
throughout the day, the looks that he was given that she was giving him were amazing. Proper couple. Well, she broke down in tears when he was sworn in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I thought was very powerful and a very stark contrast to um, how Melania reacted in 2016, <laughs> um, which was he pretty much just turned to her, put his thumbs up, gave his sarcastic smile, and then proceeded to uh, you know approach everyone else apart from her. Yeah. Um, and I thought I thought she got her victory um, on the inauguration day um, when she was uh, landed in Florida. Uh, and they went to post a picture on the <laughs> runway, and uh, he stood there, and she carried on, and it was just him alone <laughs> on the runway, staring at these cameras. I um, like, I... In a way, I mean, I don't feel bad for her, but you can see how it happens. She married him for the money. She thought they'd spend their lives on different sides of the Atlantic, and suddenly <laughs> she's first lady. And oh, we're getting so up for, shut down. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine that conversation, Melania? I need to tell you something. I'm going to be president. Um, so this whole thing—you've got to—you now got to be a stateswoman. Are you okay with that? I know you were a model for before. Years. You had no interest in any of this, but you're going to do it now. You're going to pretend to like me as well. Um, I mean, that was probably the hardest, hardest task of all. Yeah, I mean, she had to pretend to have interest in the like four years. Um, can, can I be the first to say that it feels so weird talking about the Trump administration in the past tense? Like, it's that it's not happening anymore. Yeah, it's it this morning. It said underneath, underneath Trump's name, it said former president of the United States. And I was thinking, wow. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> I think it's Trump... also surreal. I haven't heard from him on Twitter in, in weeks. It's been, it's been bliss. Sometimes I do um, think, I wonder what Trump's thinking now. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't have that little window into his... <laughs> little tiny mind um which is kind of a relief i don't want to know what he's thinking it just makes me angry but that's the point that the BBC the best. everybody's so blood pressure yeah but yeah given we've gone like de- like well 10 years like knowing exactly what he thinks about everything from like the twilight cast to nuclear policy <laughs> he's putting every single tiny thought that comes out of his tiny brain his, with his tiny hands onto the- go on ellen and then, <laughs> and then suddenly it's nothing and it's quite funny because it's he's the person who likes to share so much about what he thinks too much too much about what he thinks and now i'm gonna buy greenland or turkey and you have no idea what he's thinking thank god so it's quite it's pretty it's very refreshing as you say savoring the silence yeah yeah. i think that's that's the point today um john sopel made the other day he said that um it's gonna be quite a shock because now it's gone from a circus to Dullsville, I think is the word he used, <laughs> where you know exactly what the president's thinking at 4am. But now it's going to be a lot less transparent. It's going to be a bit of a shock, I think. We've got to put our heads... For the next four years, going to be so boring. Obama mode, I think, rather than Trump constant drama mode. That's Can you imagine? Like, the, the president's going to actually govern and like not make a song and dance about it. It's going to be so dull. He's, also he's, not, be... Gonna, he's not going to give you prior warning before he... Commits any atrocities, he's just going to do it quietly. <sighs> I, I I watched the press conference, um, and forgive me, I can't remember the new press secretary's name. It's it's too early in the in, in the in the administration. Um, but it was so boring, and I loved everything. <laughs> um, I've I've never I've never seen like so many reporters so happy to receive so little. Um, <laughs> it was the fact, and, and when she ended the press conference after taking a question from every reporter, they all simultaneously said thank you. Um, and I don't think I've heard a reporter thank <laughs> a um, presidential uh, press secretary in well for about four years now. I mean, 
Um, I, 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 I'm only imagine what they're thinking of because they had Sean Spicer for, for numerous months, sort of yeah. up to a year, I think it was, and Scaramucci and uh, McEnany and um, God, it's been it's been terrible for them. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do now because they've got nothing to report on. It, it's times, just so boring, everybody does their job, isn't it? At times, it was the like, are going to be through the roof. At times, it was like being in a banana republic where you had government officials telling you alternate truths, and then mm. as press, you had to accept them. It's very pleasing for the press secretary to acknowledge that there is a function for a free press in a society, and you had Biden himself on his way to the White House, splitting off from his family to go and fist bump a journalist from MSNBC, I think it was, saying, keep doing what you're doing, good to see you. And you could never in a million years have Donald Trump doing that. He'd yeah, sooner call job. you enemy of the people for doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> you just say you can't I don't think can, not at that speed. <laughs> you can walk to a golf hole, but I've never seen him jog. I've never seen him travel at any like particularly high speeds. So I think I think the fastest we saw was when he was rushed away from the podium by Secret Service that one time when he was suspected attack. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and that Even was when he was like ducking away. <laughs> I think the lifts might be an issue in his shoes. That might be a, a massive issue to his ability to um, actually go above walking speed. <laughs> Because um, I do believe they're, they're quite substantial lifts he wears in his heels. Mm. I mean, it's hence hence why he's constantly leaning forward. Yeah. Because um, he's he's very off balance. I'm pretty sure if you flicked him, he would go over. <laughs> um, if he built up any more speed, just the he would. <laughs> a gust of wind win, yeah. just blow him over. <laughs> just the way he stood, it was like have you seen the Wizard of Oz where the Tin Man goes really really fast to the left, yes. and really really yes. fast to the right. <laughs> it's just like that, but he's just. Forward, yeah, yes, incredible. That's the one strange. that's more, yeah. People will know about that more than Wizard of Oz, I suspect. Yeah, <laughs> you um, were talking about a bit about like government accountability, and that's one of the things he's really gone in for in some of the executive orders because they've got these new ethics rules, supposedly, to I quote, to restore and maintain trust in the government, which is interesting that then that he's now looking at putting actual rules in to maintain this government, well, not maintain, to rebuild government accountability, I suppose. Because as you were saying, it's so weird seeing a press secretary who's, like, genial and civil, at least, with with reporters. It's very, it's very, very different. Like, she ended that press conference by saying, shall we do this again tomorrow? And everybody was like, oh. yeah, let's, let's do it again tomorrow. Yeah, they're bringing daily ones back, <laughs> like, aren't they? What the hell? Because before the, the early period of Trump's presidency, before daily coronavirus briefings, people were using the press pool as just the storage for cameras and and equipment, and it was getting really dusty. Um, so that's genuinely going to be used as a daily briefing now, which is going to be um, back to normal, I suppose, from the Obama days. Bizarre. So Biden has, I think it's 15 or 17 executive orders that he signed mm. so far. Um, the first one, the very first one was an executive order for a nationwide face covering mandate. And you saw that on the inauguration day, everyone wearing masks, mm. all the staff wearing masks. And it wasn't exactly a Rose Garden super spreader event like you saw no. uh, the other month or Amy Coney Barrett swearing in. Um, but the point I'd like to make is that that's quite... A stark first move because he's saying that mm. even though I'm calling for unity I'm going to put aside the needs of Trump's fans who don't want to wear a mask 
and tackle this pandemic first. And that is the thing I want to do first and stop these deaths. And I think that's the right decision. Yeah. He's got this, he's come up with this, I think they're calling it a hundred days masking challenge, which is quite, uh, it kind of sounds like a TikTok challenge or something. (laughs) But as you were saying, like uh, Pelosi said that she doesn't think it's very unifying to just forget and move on. Like you can't forget and move on. You've had 400,000 people dying, like on really on the Trump administration's watch. So it's, it is a very quite a big thing to suddenly bring in right at the start of your presidency but i think as you say it's absolutely needed but it is as you say it is quite quite a uh, i don't know first move to make i think i expect to see a few more videos of angry people being asked to wear masks (laughs) and shouting at staff similar note to that one i do believe a um not sure if it's an executive order as such right he's um just brought in um, a nationwide quarantine for incoming travel, um, which I was astounded to know that that wasn't already in place. Um, yeah. I mean, I know, you know, we in Britain are very, very slow to this. Um, and we've only just, I think it was on Monday that we started requiring a negative test. But for America, with a country of their resources, yeah. to not even require a isolation period of let's say 10 days i think that's absolutely astounding i mean when they um, announced in the uk that we were going to require isolation like it was back in maybe june july may yeah. last summer when they announced in the uk oh yeah we're going to require isolation on arrival in the uk i was horrified that i just assumed <laughs> i had too much faith in the government clearly and assumed that we'd been doing that the whole time and we weren't and it's I mean, we're an island. We have this sort of geographical advantage that perhaps you could argue because America has, because the USA has land borders. Maybe they don't have so much of an advantage in that respect. But I mean, Australia and New Zealand have and used it to great effect. So it's pretty shocking that, you know, the UK and the US, which are some of the supposedly the leading powers in the world, have finally come around to the fact that maybe we should quarantine people during a pandemic. It's shocking. I think this move has Fauci's fingerprints all over it Mm. and I think it's very important that he's going to have basically free roam and his word is going to be gospel Mm. very much in the sense that it wasn't under Trump because he saw him as literally a small man and he sidelined him and you could see him during press conferences (laughs) Fauci at the side of Trump cringing and trying not to say anything but now he can say what he wants and he can give advice and his advice will be followed and just yesterday he was saying that Biden's plan to inoculate um, a lot of the population in 100 days is doable. Mm. And I think that's what will happen now. He's head, he's head of the, Biden's named him, uh, Fauci, to be head of the US delegation to the World Health Organization as well. They reinstated all that funding. So you're right in that which taking this much bigger role, more than just, as you say, like a small man standing behind the president. He's actually taking on the role of responsibility and uh, leadership, I suppose. Well, I do believe in the US has rejoined the WHO, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. I was going to say, Fauci is currently doing a press conference as we're recording this. Um, and he's just described working under Biden as a liberating feeling. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't think there's any love lost between him and uh, President Trump. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine the embarrassment that this man has felt over the past few months. I mean, You've had everything from denying COVID 
uh, and its existence to can we inject bleach? Um, I mean, it's been quite embarrassing to be on his team and the fact he's had to associate with Donald Trump for so long and not criticise him in public has been obviously so difficult for him. So I would imagine that um, now being hired, as Biden put it, under um, in this administration, I'm sure he's going to have a much better time getting the message across. And he might take up a very similar role to um, what we have over here with uh, Witty and Valance. Um, and I can imagine more regular press conferences from Fauci coming in the future. That phrase that he used is a relieving feeling. is proper slam dunk because he's quite an understated person. So to say that is a proper slap in the face to Donald Trump. And I, I bet he enjoyed that. It must just be so nice for him, though, to, to like finally be listened to. Because, you know, this is this man's career, isn't it? It's, if there was ever a person you'd call on, if there was ever a time to listen to somebody like Dr. Fauci, like, this would be it. And to just sideline him for the best part of what, over a year and a half now, <laughs> for, for what? For nothing more than, frankly, political gain. <laughs> or to not submit to, I don't know, whatever whatever was going on in Trump's mind about COVID to not have to like, admit he was wrong, I suppose, and start listening to science. But to, for Fauci to finally be listened to and, you know, somebody to take him seriously. I mean, we all know how it feels when somebody finally takes it seriously and like starts listening to what we're saying. So it must just be such a breath of fresh air to actually have your ideas listened to for once. And I think the fact that Fauci was sidelined, it was such a trivial, he's getting more attention than me, so I'm going to mm. disagree what he's saying and sideline him. That's the case with most of Donald Trump's personal relationships if they turn bad. Well, that was the case. Trump's fragile ego is all over this pandemic. That was the yeah. case with Steve Bannon right at the start, <laughs> who is now pardoned. Um, even with like the experts, even be- himself being an expert is now back in the fold with all the other experts. All of the other experts would have been sidelined in the Trump as yeah. well because his word was final. So like you say, I bet it's feeling pretty good. I'm going to pre-warning. I'm going to ask you for one good thing that Trump that results from Trump. <laughs> Could you give me like a week's worth of notice? I've got a history book somewhere. Um, I'll have to read it and get back to you. Um, <laughs> How about five minutes? Therapy. You're really, you're really testing me uh, here, Adam. Let's try. Let's brainstorm. Let's try and see if we can help each other here, because. I think I've got one. He didn't start a war. Nearly started a civil war, but... <laughs> nah, I don't count. <laughs> but yeah, you, had, you had some movement with North Korea um, and their diplomatic relationship with the US, but that was only after, I think, the, the nuclear clock kicked very close to midnight. Yeah. Um, Rocket Man. It was... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> exactly, it was exactly achieved <laughs> as it was with the other former presidents, with... Um, former nuclear treaties it was very much i will nuke you off this you know off the face of the earth if you don't do as i say um i've generally had to google trump's achievements (laughs) and i found a list of 15 and they've all been what um and only (laughs) half are true there's some intense scribbling going on from somebody (laughs) sorry that's me <laughs> he's fant- He's asked the question, but now he's trying to come up with one. <laughs> oh, it? It. Fucking writing a novel. <laughs> right. Who wants to begin? Oh, I'll begin. I've got one. <laughs> I think we can all 
agree that Donald Trump absolutely is a bit of a narcissistic populist in that he utterly, utterly relies upon people's opinion of himself. And that boosts him and that gives him his, the confidence to tell us what he's thinking at any time of the day. But something that he's managed to achieve through this populism, through this narcissism, through his enormously inflated ego is that he has created his own worst nightmare which is a generation of people who have young people who've grown up like myself through his first term in office people who've been maybe I mean maybe it's a strong word to use but people who've been radicalized by his time in office and people who are utterly comfortable with holding a government to account perhaps people who weren't so comfortable in criticizing the government before as a populist, he's because he's so present in our, we know what he's thinking all the time. We know what he wants us to know. We know what he doesn't want us to know, really. He has managed to create, certainly in America, a new generation of people who are politically aware because of what he has done, because of what he has caused. And he's, yeah, he's just created, achieved in a sense, a more self-awareness in Americans in looking critically at their own country and looking critically at their democracy and thinking, how can we change this and who do we need to change it? So, yeah. My list, my list has just got smaller. That was, that was one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's my long-winded, pretentious answer. Damn. I've got a, few, I've got a few left, so I'll let someone else bagsy one first. Shall it be me? Go on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, mine's kind of similar, I think, and it might also be a little bit more, I don't know, less well-received. But um, I was talking to my dad about this the other day, and basically we kind of both agreed that the Trump administration has proved to, I think, everybody that, I don't want to say establishment politics, but the way things have been in the US since practically ever, in the sense that we haven't really had a controversial president like Donald Trump, um, we can all agree there's been good presidents and bad presidents, sure. But no, you know, they've all come from either governing backgrounds or military backgrounds, apart from Trump. Um, there's a kind of familiarity and rigidity to becoming president and executing that office that we've now gone back to with Joe Biden, for better or worse. Um, and I think what that kind of proves is that if it, people who don't like that kind of system or who don't think that it's working for them, have the power to, for at least four years, say enough's enough. And kind of, it, this is kind of verging on like deep state stuff that Donald Trump talked about. So if I get too radical, please rein me in. But essentially, for four years, we had an experiment that proved that... I didn't that get that. You, you don't... try again? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Siri. Sorry, Siri, I'll carry on. Um, <laughs> for four years, we basically had an experiment that proved that if enough people don't like familiarity in a common system that doesn't seem to be working for them, then they can change it. So in, in a certain kind of sense, Donald Trump enfranchised people who maybe didn't care before or didn't think that Washington worked for them, which is a common Donald Trump phrase. And now I feel like I'm verging into Steve Bannon territory. <laughs> but Donald Trump enfranchised a group of people who, and got them excited about something because he delivered a message that hadn't really ever been delivered before. And now those people, whether they like it or they've turned to hate it, are going to remain enfranchised. So kind of like what Ellen was saying, he's inspired a group of people. Our generation probably doesn't like it so much because we're young and generally tend to be liberal. 
but people who who maybe have never voted before who voted for Donald Trump are now inspired to 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 go and vote to to engage in the political process and whether you like it or not everybody's entitled to their own opinion and so if anything that's strengthened american democracy despite an attack on the capitol recently but my point is <laughs> there's a whole group of people now who are enfranchised for probably on both sides who are now actively engaged in politics and that kind of has to come down to donald trump and his message whatever you think of it yeah definitely. i hope that wasn't too i hope that wasn't too like trump no before, no, that's yeah. re- no that's really <laughs> important because they had this i mean he did get i mean i think it was around 70 million votes wasn't it he got the most votes. Yeah, he got, yeah. he got 75, again. 75 million. I think Biden get close to 80 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like a huge turnout. 7 million he won by, Massive yeah. voter turnout. Just like you said, like for better or for worse, Donald Trump has made people want to get out and vote, whether it's because they hate him or whether it's because they love him and they think he's the next messiah. So, yeah, no, definitely. And everybody's been too. <laughs> There are there are other options to detesting and worshiping Donald Trump. Are there? <laughs> I think I think that comes down yes. to <laughs> no. him being sort of like you were saying, Jack, about the system. Mm. To use the phrase, um, him being a bombshell, shaking Drain it all. Mm. People have got, yeah, people have got very comfortable with establishment in quotation marks figures in the job, yeah. Yeah. and some people just let it pass them by, but he's mm-hmm. came in as his fans would say, saying what he thinks and saying what I think, um, yeah. they've got some sort of empathy with him and they, and they think that somebody cares about them. Um, you don't know how hard so. I worked to avoid the phrase swamp. <laughs> I had to use so many different words. <laughs> it's weird hearing it said in a sentence and not chanted. Um, yeah, no, and he's I... done the same and been like a whirlwind on the international stage and thrown the diplomatic process in the air. And that has had some benefits. Um, with Israel and peace, maybe temporary, but we shall see, between uh, the uh, Jewish states and its Muslim neighbours. And then you have um, a zenith of North Korean-US relations when he actually stepped over the border in North Korea. I still remember that moment, seeing it on television, how Mm. extraordinary that moment was, actually US president stepping over the border and little rocket man becoming his best friend. And at that moment... There was very, very cringy dialogue, but it was very, very important dialogue in the sense of long-term peace. And people in South Korea, especially, with the US drills happening on their doorstep, having some sort of ease of mind and being able to just live their life until the pandemic came and tore apart again. Um, but that, in that sense, despite his bustering... Um, shoving people out of the way at EU summits and things like that just having him there that whirlwind has thrown the whole process in the air and made people think is this how we want to do diplomacy or should we do it a bit more brazenly shall we say things that people might not want to hear, want to hear uncomfortable truths shall we say things that the other side know we know or know we think but we choose to keep to ourselves shall we say those just to throw things. I don't think it hurts, you know, to have these kind of these yeah. kind of questions every now and again, and maybe not through the 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 way Donald Trump said it, but it doesn't hurt to kind of check your own system every now and again and think, are we doing things the best way? And it's a shame it had to take the form of four years of Donald Trump's yeah. savagery in the White House, but 
it, ultimately, I think we're all going to come out of this and say, okay, that happened. How do we make yeah. sure it never happens again, possibly? Um, what can we do to, to make this system more inclusive, better for everybody, so that we don't have to go through that again if you're on the side of Democrats and Republicans or the QAnon people and the Trump people are probably there saying, okay, how do we make this happen again? Because we've proven we can do it. So I think we're going to enter a really an interesting maybe next yeah. 10, 15 years or so. Because you could quite easily, you could quite easily see this lurching mm. back and forth forever. <laughs> you know, one it's a flip side of says the we're coin. not happy, so just yeah. One, one side, one side like has it. reclaimed executive power, and the other side is saying that, like when Trump won, the other side was saying it's not, is not legitimate. It was Russia. Yeah. It was vote rigging, yeah. etc. It was overspending. Same in the UK when vote leave won, it was Russia. It was overspending. This is not a real vote. And Trump voters, albeit more extreme, <laughs> storming the capital, they've said the same thing. And it's simply the flip of a coin, one side taking over the other. And like I said in my blog post, cheeky blog yesterday, um, to use an overused metaphor, Biden has won a battle, but the war is still yeah. going. And people mm. genuinely fear a civil war. You have people reporting on, well, Republican voters reporting on podcasts that um, they look at people on the street and say, are you one of us or one of them? And you have the Trump protesters saying that now he's stormed the Capitol. They know what we're made of. Maybe they will take us seriously. They're Americans. <laughs> They're the same country. They're the yeah. same people. This yeah. othering has not stopped by Biden getting up on a platform and talking yeah. about unity. It's going to continue past his four-year term into Kamala Harris or whoever's next. Um, and like you were saying, Trump's term has made us realise what's important he had all those speakers yesterday talking about unity and the democratic process being realized and Biden, mm. one of his big points was how valuable democracy is and the inauguration has become so routine people have been taking it almost for granted that uh, this is a democratic process this is how it happens this is modus operandi of transition yeah. of power and this being so so unorthodox it's made us realize the storming of the capital people trying to stop the transition of power made us realize that um it's actually quite important and valuable i do believe asked with coming up with an achievement um and after listening to that lengthy discussion i'm pretty sure all of you went back on your achievements. Yeah, i'm, I'm pretty sure, sure your achievements became criticisms by the end um i think it started <laughs> off with a you know like i agree um trump as an entity has inspired previously apolitical people to become involved in politics which you know is always great for a democracy um you could argue that the people he's got inspired to participate in modern day american politics aren't exactly the uh, the most pleasant type um as we as we've seen in recent weeks with the storming of the capital and conspiracy theories for example um so I, I I thought I'd opt for something a bit more lighthearted, and that's the the creation of the U.S. the U.S. Thank space, God. US space Thank you. Oh, how could we... um, um, I thought that was absolutely brilliant because it solely for the reason that they stole the Star Trek logo. Um, there is there is there is no other reason because it actually hasn't done anything. Um, <laughs> it, it, it I don't believe it's actually going to do anything. It's just been set up and um, left to dry up through lack of funding. Um, I think and I do believe that it. so that when people go on podcasts and try and think of something that he's achieved, they can just go, "Oh, force! They haven't committed <laughs> oh any God. war crimes yet. We'll go for them." 
Yeah, well, it's an easy one. I will have to probably <laughs> retract this statement in about, I don't know, maybe eight years' time when they've launched on Russia. Um, but until that time, we'll probably stick with Space Force. Although I do um, the ability of Trump to inspire practically millions of people to get involved in politics is a good thing um, going forward. However, how good are those uh, people going to be involved in politics? Um, I am less than convinced at the moment, um, primarily because I think it's going to cause rifts are already visible to deepen even further. Um, we've We've seen how the Republican Party has pretty much eaten itself alive in the last week um, over the um, storming of the Capitol and their stance on the election, alleged election fraud, um, and how fictional, fictional, that's probably a a more appropriate word for that, (laughs) um, how they've all suddenly reneged on their promise to hold Democrats accountable and they've all suddenly admitted that there was no fraud. Um, so we could see the the Republican Party almost split between Trump supporters who are who see themselves as the true Republicans and the true patriots away from the establishment Republicans. The, the Republican Party's got a lot of tough decisions to make. Do they move back towards a more Romney McCain type Republican Party, a more savory and um, tolerable version of Republicanism? Or do they appease the loud minority who will have a deciding vote in these elections? Because if they decide to split the Republican votes, then you know, seeing a Republican in the White House could be an impossibility for a long time to come, for as long as the Trump dynasty exists. Because we've still got a few children to try out on the campaign trial. We've got Donald Trump who could <laughs> mount, a, mount a, um, a campaign run um, but very soon. Um, it wouldn't be out of the question. He's very vocal. He's written a few books on liberalism and conservatism. Um, both I've I've attempted to read and put down. Um, uh, well, like you say, at that rally on the day of the storming of the Capitol, he said, "This isn't the Republican Party. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party." So yeah. you're already seeing this like factionalism. Yeah. Yikes. It's kind of <laughs> fractured already. That's because there's the, all those Senate, those Republican senators putting pressure on Mitch McConnell not to impeach Trump. Because, I mean, how far will his, where does the GOP stand on that? Like, how will senators lose I their think... support, lose their backing if they haven't got, if they choose to impeach him? Is that going to like impede them from making a more rational decision? I don't know. I think the Republican Party is very much going to swing towards McConnellism, if I can call it that. His speech the other day, before the storming of the Capitol, even before the storming of the Capitol, was denouncing Trump's lies about the election. And then he's made a speech since denouncing Trumpism itself. And he said that, reportedly said that the impeachment process is a chance to rid the party of Trumpism. So if the impeachment goes through, Trump can't run for office anyway. Um, federal office again um, but he said the other day that we'll be back in some form so even if that's not I don't think he'll do a Napoleon-esque 100 days el- return <laughs> from Elba where he goes through the country gathering an army uh, I don't think that's going to happen and I don't think America you're on about Adam I don't, yeah 
Um, <laughs> and I don't think his family or any of his children are in the mood to run um, yet, anyway. Maybe Don Jr., he's particularly enthusiastic. Um, maybe he might put together a non-successful run in a few years' time, but we'll see. Um, but, yes, I think they will go down the classic conservative, like you say, Alex Romneyism uh, route. Um, Donald Trump may try to set up a new party for Raj style, or he may mm-hmm. do a news network or do sort of the great leader broadcast from Mar-a-Lago or Twitter might give him his account yeah. back. There's so many options for him to go down and he's got the money from his supporters who donated to try and overturn the result or thought they were trying to. I do believe the, um, I do believe the, the Trump News Network was was in the works in 2016 because he he was anticipating losing the election to Clinton. Um, yeah. So the, the whole idea yeah. was he, he was saying yeah. in debates that um, this election is yeah, rigged. No, so in, he in was prepared to lose, lose in 2016. Um, and I, the rumor was that the minute he lost, he was going to set up his alternative news channel, um, and it was purely to boost the Trump brand. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he anticipated actually becoming president. Um, so when he eventually got there, he's suddenly tasked with running a country, which is very different from running a news channel. So there is every chance to set up his own media. I mean, he might have to now. He's banned from all social media. So he needs an outlet to actually tell his supporters what he's thinking. It's a good way to get your voice back out there, isn't it? probably yeah. the only way, unless he, well, does he even like Fox News anymore? Because they, they, they were the first to call Biden, weren't they? Yeah, I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he hates Fox News now. So I'm not sure who he could go down to actually get his voice out there. So setting up his own network Unless... might be the only way forward. Well, it's interesting because you're seeing Unless... so many of his former allies, even people like, I suppose, Rupert Murdoch to an extent, turning their backs on him because they never liked him. They just liked the power. And Donald Trump's kind of been this way, like a bit of an example of the American dream just falling flat on its face in that he thought he could be the man to lead America and change America until I think he comes to this horrible dawning realization at the last minute that he's turned America against him in a quite a, I mean, I don't, I don't feel sorry for him in the slightest, but he's such a I think you made important point, Adam, but we should... that he's, he almost couldn't believe that he lost, that people don't like him. He does everything to, he desperately, desperately wants people to, follow him even if it isn't a slightly creepy culty way but i think he just feeds on that and he feeds on the attention that by sort of cutting that off at the root by sort of choking off his air supply to social media then maybe just maybe we might be shot of him for a while i think one can pray um, <laughs> um that there, there, there's we've taken enough trump for four years i think a, a period of radio silence might be what america needs mm. um i don't know how long that silence is going to go on for i wouldn't imagine it would be forever he can't possibly keep his thoughts to himself for more than a year Carry i mean he struggled yeah he struggled to keep his thoughts in for a minute <laughs> um even to the point where he was falling asleep whilst typing, if we can all remember Kofifi. Um, Despite all the like, negative press, Kofifi, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. These are the answers we need to find out. Um, but I, I agree. I think a period of radio silence from Trump is going to be good for America. Um, and I, I think the legacy that Trump is leaving behind is not the one he intended, um, especially the whole mantra of making America great again. I don't think making America go into a civil war 
came under that um, description of what he anticipated might happen. Um, he did get very desperate towards the end. Um, Tried to gloss over it with nice yeah, speeches, it, uh, towards the end. speeches rallying people to walk, march on the capital. Um, and call it's the when you're getting to the point where you're calling Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell, Mike Pence, your former former I say allies loosely with Mitch regarding Mitt Romney, but your own party weak, and then sending an angry mob down towards the Capitol. I mean that's not that's not the sign of a, a man in with power. Um, that's just shooting from the outside. Um, I think it was said by. Don Jr. on the stage just before the Capitol storming, he said that um, Pence and McConnell and everyone else, you must understand that this is not your party anymore. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party. And he got a huge cheer precipitating the storming. And in in the matter of two weeks, that's completely changed. Trump had his party before the election. He had the party in the grip of his hand for so long you had people applauding him like a god when he was, um, well, he says vindicated, but when, when he was acquitted, the first impeachment, and he came out with that newspaper, he had William Barr et al., everyone else, applauding him like a god, smiling, like a glorious leader, and now he's a reject. Really, I think the party, the, that was the party values legitimacy more than they value, I mean, a man, like that's just one man, that's one man and one man's beliefs, not the entire centuries of history of the republican party and i think um, for donald trump i think he thought he could maybe did he think he could override it did he think he was more important than than the weight of history and the weight of democratic legitimacy and it kind of turns out unfortunately not is that republicans followed him because he was their party leader but when now he's going completely off the rails people like mcconnell and pence are to an extent abandoning him because I hate to praise them, but because they they value democracy too much and civil exchange of power, I suppose. I, I think it has a, an element to do with self-preservation as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> these, these people, like many global brands, um, distance themselves from the Trump brand itself. It stick, it's staying too close to Trump, you're only going to get burned. Mm. Um, uh, I believe Mike Pence, his last-minute ditching of Trump um, he wasn't willing to jump off the cliff edge with Donald. No. Um, he, he valued his. They're all politicians by nature are self self preserving. <laughs> um, that that's that that that's how it works. Um, that there might be the odd you know anomaly where they might sacrifice themselves for their cause, but Fresh. none of the Senate Republicans are willing to do that. Yeah. Um, so I don't believe Donald Trump is the sword that any Senate Republican is willing to die on. Um, so for a, for the immediate future, I think we're going to see a continued distancing from Trump and his brand um, of politics and the brand name. Um, and we might see the impeachment. Um, I think many Americans will hope for the impeachment. It will be a definite line drawn underneath this period of history. Um, for as long as Donald Trump can run in 2024 in any capacity, you've got the risk of the Republican vote being split. Um, which is the worrying for any conservatives in America, as well as the conservatives also be worried about um, Donald Trump re-infiltrating their party again. And I I think if he was able to do that, 
I don't think their reputation would stand any chance of recovering. What you were saying about Mike Pence there distancing himself, I believe that he's thinking about maybe positioning himself to be the forerunner of the new Republican conservatism because Donald Trump chose him because he embodied the ultra-religious, ultra-conservative brand that he wanted to exude. And I think Republican conservatives, as well as Trump fans, that appeals to them. So he could possibly pull votes from both sides and become quite a strong candidate in the next election. But um, before Donald Trump picked him, he was quite cautious and he didn't really want to run for any major office or hold too much power. He was quite pessimistic of that. But having this vice presidency, even though it's a bit of a non-job, that might have given him a taste and he might have thought, what if I'm there? I could do that job better. We shall see. I honestly feel for Mike Pence a bit. And I don't mean to disagree with everything you've just said, Adam, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I, I think Mike Pence might have shot his career in the foot um, by leaving it so late to come out against what has been a hellish four years. And obviously, fair enough. I wouldn't expect Mike Pence on day one to be like, okay, Donald, maybe building a wall is a step too far. But to leave it, Till literally like a month before, <laughs> like a month before Joe Biden took office, we can basically say that Mike Pence ran the country whilst Donald hid away in the White House or in Mar-a-Lago trying to tweet and then not being able to tweet. Um, Mike Pence effectively was the face of the administration, giving the speeches, being at the right places, saying the right things, you know, that doing the right things in, in the Senate, saying the right things. Um, but... I can't help, and maybe I'm just a cynic, but I, I feel like that's come no, I... maybe like two years too late. Um, and I don't no. think people are going to forgive, because I don't think people are going to forgive him for for leaving it so long. You know, it, it, to me, it seems convenient that now the election's over and now the Senate's done its confirmation of the ballots. We're all going to come out and say, oh, actually, Donald was in the wrong all along and we don't agree with anything he said. So, you know, it seems convenient to me that... that Republicans are dumping Trump when it suits them. And it kind of goes back to what Alex was saying about politicians looking to serve their own cause and whatever, because otherwise they don't stay in a job, frankly. But to me, it just seems, I don't know, it seems more tokenistic and more of like, I don't know. It just seems to me that they've all come out when it's convenient and they've all, they're all saying the right things now. Fine. When it's easy to, um, when you know Joe Biden's going to get inaugurated and Donald Trump's going to leave the White House and, in a matter of days, when Trump and uh, sorry, when Pence was saying the things he was saying and Mitch McConnell was saying the things he was saying, it was like a week before Donald Trump was leaving office. So you pretty much got free reign to have a go. At no, him. I agree. <laughs> you could say whatever you like about it. Clearly not Donald Trump. Leave. It's not the stop but, the steal. It was just the storming of the Capitol, really, that drove them to this point. Like it makes oh, yeah. you wonder what would have happened if the Capitol storming hadn't happened. Because it's clearly, it's not really the attack it's not really donald trump himself that's driving them away it's his support of a, an attack on democracy that's driving them away from him and the their kind of commitment to the democratic process and the because america doesn't have really have a state religion democracy and the senate and the shining city on the hill is almost is sort of takes on especially when you watch the inauguration it takes on this semi-religious quality um mm which is kind of what comes from having the head of state being elected rather than a ceremonial office. But it's 
it's the attack on democracy and something that was so universally and like cross party reviled that's given them finally given them the bravery because they are cowards given them the bravery to go oh maybe he wasn't so great but as you say at the last minute with like a week to go they went oh thank god this is something i can finally jump ship and save my career so i can get a, an op-ed in the telegraph or something. <laughs> i'd argue that even i honestly can't help but think if, if the if the attack on the capital hadn't happened Republicans yeah. would have quite happily just sat mute and let this thing play out because where's the incentive <laughs> to go out and swing at Donald when he hasn't just incited a mob? <laughs> if it had just been a natural end to his presidency and it would have all been quite quiet and nothing dramatic would have happened, not, none of these heroic speeches about, you know, we're reaffirming democracy and all this crap would have come out because there wouldn't have been any need for it and they'd have all just plainly sailed on and then... Inauguration Day would come around. Yeah, they just thrilled all just been kind of redemption arc. Saying, I'd argue that. <laughs> they're so glad that they've finally got an opportunity. So they think they'll be written into history as heroes. And I like to think future historians will see them for the, uh, as you say, self-serving cowards that they are. I'd argue that there <laughs> were signs That's all that um, things were starting to turn before the storming. Undoubtedly, it was a catalyst for the party turning on Trump but you had McConnell's speech minutes literally minutes before the storming happened he was denouncing Trump's lies mm. and calling them out directly yeah. saying that it's wrong and you had Pence saying that he wasn't going to reverse the electoral college results and that's the thing yeah. that triggered the riots in the first place so like you were saying it was definitely a catalyst but uh, I do think the Republican Party Ten. would have abandoned Trump eventually it's just the capital riot helped them along a bit So um, I'd like to put a point across that despite Kamala Harris being elected, which is obviously a landmark, amazing thing, the first South Asian and Jamaican heritage vice president, a first woman president, the fact that she's been elected, and you could say this about Barack Obama as well, does not mean that all things are rosy in the land of the USA with regards to race relations. I'm guessing you'd agree. Yeah. I mean, what is that today? I think it's um, fantastic that she was elected. It's, I mean, I, I mean, as you say, it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean sexism is over, racism is over. I mean, it doesn't mean any of those things in the slightest. America, not just Donald Trump's America, but perhaps it's been exacerbated by that, has been completely and utterly torn, well not torn, but it's become something so, that people have so many opinions on, it's it's gone beyond the, the, like the far right are white supremacists, the far right aren't just, oh they're a bit conservative, Donald Trump's supporters are white supremacists and Nazis, it's completely gone beyond it's turned politic, race, like race relations or civil rights into politics. And it really, in an ideal world, it's not political at all. It should be equal rights for all, devoid of any political affiliation. But it's turned the Republican Party, well, Donald Trump's Republican Party, as we were saying, has become the party beloved by white supremacists and Nazis. So the chaos, it's like, it's like um, 
it's like birds patting the garden floor yeah and getting worms to come up to the surface it's this chaos that has given people the confidence to come out of their caves and exalt these horrible opinions and what's worse is that the president didn't directly denounce them and it was so strange in a good way to hear biden directly denounce white supremacists and that hasn't been heard for about at least four years since trump has come in and it was the Charlottesville incident, um, where he said that it was good people on both sides that in- initially inspired Joe Biden to run because he was a bit uncertain beforehand. And since then, obviously, we've had the death of George Floyd and all of these wounds, over the, over four centuries old wounds, have been opened horrifically and um, blood across the country. One of the um, executive orders that Biden put in place was he ended Donald Trump's 1776 commission which was this commission into US history broadly, but it's been widely reviled and criticised by historians because it completely distorts US history, specifically slavery. It sort of frames it around the fact that when the Emancipation Act was put into place, everyone was fine and racism no longer existed or racism ended in the 1960s. And it's this kind of, I don't know, willful ignorance by the administration that sort of goes oh no find people on both sides which is just i can't you can't even tell whether it's like purposeful or just unbelievably moronic and that they're so obsessed with their own personal opinion polls that they want to make sure that the nazis like them too it's it's honestly as you say blood pressure through the roof right now (laughs) and I think quite symbolic is that Biden has taken down, I think it's the portrait of Andrew Jackson. I think he's the fifth mm. president of the United yeah. States yeah. who published policy, signed policies right in the Oval Office, banishing Native Americans from their lands. And Trump displayed that proudly whilst hosting an event for Native American veterans, whether that was ignorance or, and he held back the because uh, I think there was a uh, forgive me I can't remember her name but it's a black uh, rights campaigner who was going to be on uh, one of the dollar bills but to replace Jackson but Trump, yeah that's it Harriet Tubman um, who and Trump put that on hold it's small things like that that he's that you can tell that he's and the fact that he said that um, the female uh, House representatives had to go back home to their own countries. Oh yeah, when he told the squad to go home. Yeah, the squad. Little things, squad. little tweets, little lines like that, little subtle signs that he's saying to his less intelligent, compassionate fans on in the white supremacist group, saying, "I'm on your side, lads. Don't worry." And it's not only these tiny things; there are actual political things that he's done he one of donald trump's executive orders limited institutions ability to hold diversity and inclusion training and title seven of the 1964 civil rights act was really weakened by the trump administration and that again is another one of these executive orders that biden's put in place asap and sorry title seven it requires that federal government doesn't discriminate on basis of gender identity and sexual orientation this is going away from uh, race relations and stuff more towards civil rights but it's evident in the th- not only as you say in these little sort of you might call them dog whistles to the far right but in 
the actual government orders, the executive orders, Donald Trump is do actively looking, well, whether he's actively seeking, but he is actively causing a detriment to the civil rights of like Americans. And given that it's a country that's its founding tenets of freedom and justice for all, it's we the people, as they like to quote, it's... All men are created equal. Yeah, c- clearly white, straight men of a certain economic position living in urban centres. It's, it's like, extraordinary for a country, well, not extraordinary, disappointing but not surprising for a country that likes to pride itself on its freedom, that it is so devoid of rights, really, for so many people, and that the Trump administration actively went out of its way to take these rights and to degrade the Civil Rights Act, which is shocking, really, that over the last four years you can say that. The Biden administration have announced its sort of strange Comic-Con, like, theme days for this week. We've already had (laughs) COVID Day, that was today. Tomorrow's going to be the Saving the Economy Day, where he's going to unveil the $1.9 trillion um, relief package. And then the day afterwards, it's going to be Equity Day. So he's already... um, relinquished Trump's executive orders for the Muslim ban mm. and banning transsexuals from the uh, military. Um, so I don't know what he's got in store then, what other legislation or executive orders that he's going to introduce then, but um, I'm going to guess that Kamala Harris is going to have a bigger uh, role in that um, in a couple of days' time. And then the last one is um, Buy America, which is quite sounds a bit Trumpian to me. Mm, um, I think that's going to be one of Trump's lasting legacies, where presidents have to look up for American manufacturing more and American employment. Mm. Um, and of course, Trump's famous trade war with China, um, with the tariffs still in place, and arguably they caused seventy-five thousand job losses in Michigan yeah. from the manufacturing center, which may have lost him that state. Who knows? Um, and Biden, he said that he's going to be harsh on China. He's had to say that he's going to be harsh on China because Trump has said that he's a Chinese puppet and he's going to be uh, very kind to them. So Biden's not going to get rid of these tariffs straight away. So in, in many ways, his policies, foreign policies, are going to be quite parallel. I think it's true that, that Biden might not get rid of the, the tariffs with China straight away, but... Biden also won't unilaterally just slap these things on any country that he has a particular tip with at no. any particular point, uh, and he won't go and tweet about it. No, no. The 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 way that the 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 Biden Foreign Department and the Foreign State uh, sorry the Biden State Department is going to work is going to be very similar to the Obama one because it. I mean, he's hired pretty much the same kind of staff. But anyway, um, you're going to start to see diplomacy i suppose as we would call it done right i.e sitting around a table negotiating talking things out as opposed to just waking up in a bad mood saying you're going to slap some tariffs on china and on twitter and then just deciding 25 percent on agricultural products white whitehall have <laughs> so, said that uh, um we may have lost some exclusivity but we've got some predict pred- predict predictability back there we go got it out in the end right yeah, I think that's going to be such a relief to everybody who comes to negotiate with the US and probably the US itself, that it it's kind of got some credibility back in, on, on the international stage just for being too able to negotiate a trade deal properly. Right? I think <laughs> that's really well, one of foreign policy. But... Rekindling relations with, um, the, like you said, with, with uh, nations around the world 
the European Union is going to be a massive one, um, considering the, the fallout that Trump had with the European trade, I think it was quite early on and into his term. Um, so rekindling relationships with, with Europe through Biden, I think is going to be very important. Um, what impact that will have between uh, the US and the UK, we don't know. Obviously, what, what you've just said with Whitehall, they're, they're able to predict what America is thinking now more often um, and where the economic mood is. However, the appetite for the Trump um, Trump administration for a trade deal um, was far more than what Biden currently has. I mean, he's very much going to be a domestic president first. Um, not quite the America first that um, Trump was portraying, but I think Biden is going to have to put out some home fires. He can focus on um, other foreign relations with the UK, for example. Uh, we're quite low down the pecking order, and given his already fractured relationship with Boris Johnson, um, I don't think there's going to be any Theresa May-esque hand-holding between the two of them. Um, <laughs> I, I think we can already rule that out. I mean, I think Biden is due to fly uh, to the UK for a summit quite soon. Yes, um, the G7. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that will be, I think, the first meeting between Johnson and Biden. Um, I don't know what the extent of their meetings are going to be. Um, we, we haven't had a, a great start between the two. Um, we had the congratulations Trump message uh, behind <laughs> Biden's uh, message on the official Twitter account. Um, it was unearthed all of the criticisms they've had of each other in recent times. Um, and we've obviously got the fracture between um, Obama and anyone uh, who's a supporter of Brexit. Mm. Um so there is not a lot in common between the two leaders. Um, so it's going to be very tough to you know, rekindle a friendship um, similar to what Trump and Johnson had. Especially since um, the deal with the USA was touted quite a lot by yeah, it was... the, John- the Johnson, I keep calling it the Johnson administration, by Boris <laughs> and co. By the Tories, by the Tories. They, yes. It was, they say, oh, we'll get a deal with America. Don't worry, don't worry about... Was the get out of jail free card? Yeah, it was. No matter what goes wrong, like we, it's going to get out so, of anywhere. Whether we yeah, get it at all, and in what format, how long it will take? Because as you say, Biden's got a lot of work to do on the home front before he can start, you know, doing British trade deals. That they, I mean, do they need the trade deal with the UK? Like we're of not, we're going no. into it, going, please, please give us a trade deal. Yeah. I'm begging you, and Joseph Biden doesn't have to. And he's no power, much. and he doesn't really like Boris Johnson's. Well, from what we've seen, there's no making bones about it. Biden deeply dislikes Boris Johnson. He deeply oh, dislikes his cabinet. <laughs> he regards them as populists. Mm. And yeah. who knows? It may have played a little bit into Boris Johnson's decision to get rid of Dominic Cummings because yeah. um, Biden regarded Dominic Cummings as uh, Johnson's Steve Bannon. And this feeling is emulated by the staff around him and his advisors. They've all advised him to get a trade deal with the EU done first, have more um, consolidated relations with with their. Uh, I was going to say Spain there, but I don't think so. Uh, France and Germany, yeah, rather yeah. than uh, Britain, and that has caused Liz Truss, the International Trade Secretary, to prioritise South America over the US. And there's talk that there's maybe even four years until. Uh, a US trade deal between the UK is made. So 
we may not even see a Biden administration complete a trade deal with the UK. Was, I was going to mention about the time frames are very crucial. Um, we've been sat on the hope of a US trade deal for four, practically four years. Um, we've been, it's been, as Ellen said, it's been touted as, you know, the get out of jail free card. It's, it's been the ultimate end goal. Um, that light at the end of the tunnel that, that use a metaphor that Boris Johnson uses every time he's in a press conference. Um, however, that light is now out pretty much. It's a very dim flicker, if anything. Um, the, so I, there's, the, the tunnel's never ending. <laughs> um, like I said, focusing on, on South America, that, is, that tells you all you really need to know. Um, the hope of obtaining a very fast... Uh, big lead trade deal as Trump would have I'm ready. It's re- it's ready. it was ready to go um, which obviously was not true there's very little forward thinking in that administration um, or previous administration now um, so th- there's very little chance of a trade deal being done within Biden's first term and that's even if he runs for a second um, because obviously he's not exactly a young man um, so yeah yeah, he's he's he's. I mean, don't get me wrong. Trump was old as well, but I, I think without praising the man too much, he had a bit more energy about him. Um, so that that was probably the only thing I could pro- probably say about Trump that is not entirely negative is the fact that he had a bit more political flair and passion, although the flair was misplaced all the time. Um, so I I wouldn't expect a, a UK US trade deal from the Biden administration very very soon. Um, it might be with the next president. It might be with Biden in his second term. Um, we will have to see. But I, I, it's not going to be a, a quick fix like it's been touted since 2016. I'd, I'd like to play devil, devil advocate a bit here um, and say better the devil you know with Boris Johnson because France is coming up to the presidential election and Germany, uh, Germany's Angela Merkel is stepping down yeah. imminently after the pandemic. So <laughs> with Joe Biden... Biden so it's very, very likely that France are going to elect a new leader because that's what they usually do. They don't really have much patience with their leaders. Um, that's not racist. That's just facts. Um, <laughs> and um, you don't know. <laughs> and you don't know who's uh, going to take over Angela Merkel as chancellor. So Biden may be more comfortable conversing with Johnson as he knows that he's more than likely going to stay in until at least twenty twenty four, maybe even longer. Um, so you don't know who's going to be the new French president, someone that may not get along with Biden, someone in Germany who may not get along with Biden. But uh, in Germany, most likely they will, because Angela Merkel will handpick her successor, most likely. But um, China and Russia, obviously, have got a deepening relationship, almost pseudo-alliance, at least a modus vivendi. Um, and you could argue that that alliance, that friendship, is more threatening to the West, to Western democracies, than the Soviet Union was during the Cold War. China, obviously, a much larger economy with a much larger military. And Russia, of course, this paranoid, aggressive power that's poisoning people in little towns like Salisbury. Um, So Biden may be looking for someone who's the most eager, military-wise, for uh, military... uh, influence in Europe and beyond and Boris Johnson will of course be the most eager because we've just injected billions into the military and he'll want to be uh, alongside Biden like Blair was to Bush um, to make sure the special relationship isn't 
wounded despite Brexit. Um, and despite him, he'll be the most, yes, yeah, he'll be the most eager of all European leaders. So, and of course, the US and the UK have the deepest military intelligence um, interwoven relationship. So, there may yet be hope for the special relationship. We shall see. In a way, I kind of agree with you there because. Biden is, I think, as we've been saying, he's a much more stable character on the world stage. And so he, Boris Johnson can throw his unwavering support behind Biden without any of the perhaps hesitation that he might feel at endorsing someone who is as divisive as Donald Trump. Because when you put your, when you put your support behind Donald Trump, that's now come to say a lot about a person regardless of politics but biden is this more of as we were saying he's that he's a a politician before he's a he's less of a populist um so he can he's more representative perhaps of america so he's less of a he's a safer choice maybe for the special relationship to improve beyond sort of as you said the weird hand-holding because that was weird uh <laughs> so odd <laughs> I don't want to imagine Boris Johnson in the red dress with a flowery scarf. No. <laughs> Mendeley. Joe Biden wouldn't leave the Queen waiting, he would, would she? Or would he? in front of her. No. <sighs> I, I don't know why that made me angry. That, that, I was like, that's horrible. <laughs> that was a really sharp intake of breath, yeah. I oh, there was genuine I just, rage there. It's the monarchist coming out in you. Yeah, I watched too much of The Crown, and then he walks in front of the Queen. <laughs> well... If I didn't like it before. How dare he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Don't know what it, it's quite funny seeing the outrage at that from people who aren't really royals, royalists at all. Everyone in Britain was like, well, that's awful. As if we don't spend the rest of our time saying how useful the royals are. How dare he? But as soon yeah. as anybody messes with them, it's like, mm, no. I think it's just a collective hatred of, of American culture <laughs> impeding on British culture, really. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the colonies the, still. <laughs> the, 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 the special relationship breaks down when you, when you talk about <laughs> <Right>. culture. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure: there definitely won't be a massive inflatable with Biden in a nappy in, in uh, Parliament Square. Okay. Which, coincidentally, that inflatable is in the Museum of London now. Apparently. Yeah, I love I'm that they got... that. That's You're a moment of history we can show our kids. It's so British. It's amazing. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Anyway, thank you very much for listening all. And uh, I was thinking that we could come back with monthly instalments, so sort of reviewing the month and predicting what's in store for the month. We'll see how that's transpired. We have promised before that we'll be back, but uh, we would very much like to be back. So we'll see how that goes. But thank you very much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And no one else. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, just you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just you. <laughs> and goodbye from him, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Slip in a two Ronnie's reference there. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back at some point soon. Take care. Bye. We forgot that Bill Clinton fell asleep. (laughs) (sighs) Which obviously Fox News was all over, being like, ooh, look at Bill Clinton falling asleep. Leave this bad old man alone. (laughs) He's been to too many of these.